Turn your Bibles this morning. I hope you have your Bibles with you. Go to Mark chapter number 16. Mark chapter number 16, and we'll find our place there, and we'll read a few passages, and we'll skip over to the Gospel of John as well. We continue our Sunday morning study out of Mark's Gospel. We are nearing the end of our study. You can know full well that where we were at last week with Easter, and so now following up on some thoughts with regards to uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I'm so th- thrilled that he is alive and well today. And because he's living and well, we also can live well because of him. And so I'm thrilled about that. And that's what we're here to proclaim. That's what we're here to praise God about. And so as we consider some thoughts this morning, I want us to take a really a, a thought from a, a, a lady that's mentioned in our scriptures, Mary Magdalene, this morning, and consider some thoughts from her as we look into the Word of God. The title of our time together is, Why Weepest Thou? Mark chapter number 16, let's read verses 1 through 11. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came into the sepulcher at the rising of the sun, and they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment and they were frightened and he said to them be not affrighted ye seek Jesus of Nazareth Nazareth which was crucified he is risen he is not here behold the place where they laid him but go your way tell his disciples in Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee and there you shall see him as he said unto you and they went quickly and fled from the sepulcher For they trembled and were amazed, neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. Amazing. And she went and told them that uh, had been with him, told them that had been with him, and they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, I want you to notice that phrase, they believed not. They've been told over and over again that Jesus was going to come up out of the grave. And when they heard it had actually taken place, they believed not. So hold that thought and we'll go with me to now to John's gospel, chapter number 20. And we pick up the story even a little further. We see the appearance of Jesus to Mary Magdalene. We go to John chapter 20. We begin reading in verse number 11, if you would please. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and seeth two angels in white sitting. And one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. When she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. 
Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, then I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned herself and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. And Jesus said to her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren, and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father, and your Father, and to my God, and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord, and that he had spoken these things unto her. The same day at the evening, beginning at the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst, and said to them, Peace be unto you. And when they had so said, he showed them unto them his hands and his side. And his disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Two times in this passage, we consider the, 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 the resurrection appearance of, Mary, of Jesus to Mary Magdalene. She's weeping here. And two times, one of the angels, why weepest thou? And again of Jesus, in verse number 15, why weepest thou? Many times we hear preaching, and we know it to be true, when we think of Christians, we're told that we're to be a joyful folk, aren't we? We're to have joy, and joy everlasting, and and that is true. The Bible tells us that. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. So that's true. We are to be a people that's rejoicing, and that will be something that comes natural in our lives, and it will be something about us that's different than the world. But the problem is that sometimes things get in the way of joy. Sometimes things can get in the way of rejoicing. And you, know, you can even come to church and, and have a smile on your face but be broken on the inside. Broken hearted over circumstances and issues of life. And I dare say there may be some like that this morning. There are joy stillers that come into our lives that seem to want to take that joy and just rip it out of our lives and leave us empty. Some of the joy stealers are sin. The greatest of joy stealers, that of sin. There's pleasure in sin just for a season. But then it'll turn and it'll bite you. It'll take your life. Joy stealer of sin, the joy stealer of Satan. Satan is out to destroy the Christian. If he can rob you of your joy, he can shut our mouths from telling anybody else about Jesus. So he'll seek to rob us of our joy. Sorrow can come into our lives. You get the phone call that you weren't expecting. Maybe the job situation that you were anticipating or whatever it may be. But things are there to rob us of our joy. There are times I dare say that we feel maybe like Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene had been walking with Jesus. She had seen him, uh, his miracles. She had heard him preach. She had walked with him. But here in our text, even though she had heard many things of him, even heard about the resurrection, she's there at this point, and she looks into the tomb, and the tomb is empty. And yet, instead of rejoicing over these things, she finds herself in a difficult spot. After all, on this point in time, where have you laid him? But not even beyond that, even more than that, uh, she had seen our Lord being mistreated. She had seen her Lord being crucified, nailed to a cross. 
buried now in that tomb. And she comes to anoint his body and it seems like it's just one thing after another and the joy is now gone. She, it seems as though she has lost our joy. She's sitting there weeping and she's looking into the empty tomb. And even when Jesus, she did not recognize Jesus, but she's weeping and she's asking, where have you taken the, the, the body of our Lord? And I want to ask you this morning, you can be a Christian and you can be a child of God. And I trust that you know Jesus Christ this morning is your personal Lord and Savior. You're born again the Bible way. You must be born again through the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You're not born into the family of God simply because you were born into a family that may come to church, that may be faithful. We're born into the family of God by faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So I trust that you know Jesus Christ this morning as your personal Lord and Savior. But the fact is that we are to have joy. But the fact is in life sometimes we can lose that joy. There's sorrow that comes into our lives. And I, I know and can identify and think about families in our church this week have gone through some very hard things and people are in the hospital this morning are dealing with hard things and lost family members and that sorrow can come and sorrow can come into our lives and steal our joy there's the 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 hurt feelings oftentimes can steal our joy times of being mistreated possibly or seeing others mistreated it breaks my heart to see what's going on in parts of the world where we see the war and the destruction and we see all that going on it breaks my heart to see that destruction seeing others mistreated that way sometimes we go through family difficulties and it's very hard it's relationships that are strained uh, money, financial situations, and jobs. And I mentioned that a moment ago. Sicknesses. Death comes into our family, comes close to us and touches home. Sorrows can oftentimes create a barrier that's difficult for us to have that joy in our lives. And as Mary stood there at that tomb weeping, she was asked by the angels, Why weepest thou? And even Jesus, he comes up to her and he, he asks her the very same question, Why weepest thou? Let me just simply say this morning that sorrows are a part of life. Sorrows come. Sorrows in this world, they're, they're a part of life. We are all part of a, a fallen world. Uh, this body's fallen. It's fallen uh, where for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The, the book of Romans tells us that all of creation groans, waiting for the redemption of the body. This simply means that, that the wages of sin is death. and We may die instantaneously due to sin, but certainly all of us will die eventually due to the sin nature that we all have. Sorrow is part of life. Some people, when sorrow comes into our lives, some people are very surprised at that. How could this be? Why is this happening? What's wrong? Very surprised that sorrow comes, but yet it's a fact of life. Some people are very disappointed when sorrows come. Some people even get angry at God when sorrows come. Uh, some people will leave off church. Some people will leave off uh, worshiping our Lord and Savior. Some people will walk away from God when disappointments and sorrows come. 
Some people even get depressed when sorrows come. But Jesus said, in this world you shall have tribulation. Tribulation, sorrows, and although none of us desire them, they do come and they will come into our lives. And we think of Jesus Christ himself. Isaiah 53 tells us he's despised and rejected of men. And this title is is applied to Jesus Christ. It calls him, Isaiah 53 calls him, the prophet says, he's a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He goes on to say, he bore our griefs. He carried our sorrows. Not only did he have the sorrows of rejection, the sorrows of hatred, the sorrows of crucifixion. But in that crucifixion, he took all of our sorrows due to our sin. And all of that was placed upon him. A man of sorrows, the Bible tells us. So should we be even, and he tells us, in this world we'll have tribulation. Should we be discouraged should we be uh, uh, disappointed when these things come truly they will come to us all the story is told of a doctor and his patient he said i have bad news and i got worse news and the patient says okay let me have it all he said the bad news is you have 24 hours to live he says wow how can it get any worse than that he said what's the worst news he says i meant to call you yesterday <laughs> bad news it comes. It happens to us all. I don't know anybody's heart this morning. You can't see my heart. But I am certainly believe that there are times in our life when we can become discouraged, we can become flustered in life. It gets hard. John 12 and 15, Jesus appears to Mary. And although Mary at first does not realize it, and Jesus asks her, Woman, why... Are you weeping? And I want us to think about this thought that the fact that Jesus asked the question, did Jesus know what was in her heart? Certainly he did. But it's amazing to me that Jesus asked the question to Mary, why are you weeping? And why did he ask that question? I believe he asked that question because he wanted to hear her verbalize it. You know, God wants to hear us verbalize our sorrows to him. He invites us to come to Him and tell Him the deepest needs and the difficulties of our lives. And not only does He desire to hear them, but He takes time to hear them. He takes time to listen to you. You ever been in a place where He said, well, they didn't even want to listen to me. Maybe you go to the physician and, and you know, it's that sometimes that, that you just feel like a number that's coming through the door and out the door, through the door and out the door. Not always the case, but maybe it's the case. And you get in there and you say, well, did you tell him this? And they said, no, I didn't get a chance to. It's too busy. When it comes to Jesus, he's never too busy for you. He's never too busy for me. He wants to know and he wants us to tell him. He cares enough to listen. And listen, he is the only one that can make a difference. You can tell Jesus. We have a high priest, the Bible tells us. We have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. We have not a high priest, rather, it cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are yet without sin. Let us therefore... Come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. It's interesting that Jesus, he turned to her weeping. 
he immediately turned her weeping into joy simply by speaking her name. Jesus knows your name. Jesus knows where you are. He knows what's going on in your life. And Jesus speaks her name. Jesus was telling Mary that she didn't have to weep anymore. Didn't have anything to be sorrowful anymore. You know, I think the Lord can say the same thing to us. And he's saying that to us. We don't have to be downcast. We don't have to be so sorrowful going through this world in a state of discouragement and despondency. The Lord turned her sorrow into joy. And I believe he wants to do the very same thing to us in our lives. It does not mean that all of our problems will go away. And please understand that. It does not mean that all of our problems will go away. But it does mean we can rejoice in spite of the problems. We can rejoice in spite of the circumstances. So this morning as we consider a couple thoughts out of this passage. Is not to weep. Weepest thou not. Don't weep. And he comes to the sepulcher that morning. And she says, he says to her, why weep? And we don't have to. First of all, let me give you a couple thoughts. Why should we have joy? What gives us the ability to have this peace that's mentioned? And it's mentioned earlier on in the passages. Peace be unto you when he saw his disciples. First of all, we can have joy because he's risen. We can have joy this morning because Jesus is risen. So many religions around the world and so many peoples around the world. And, and I dare say two-thirds of the world is worshiping something that cannot hear, cannot touch, cannot make a difference. Something made of man's hands and people are bowing down to worship that. Some spirit that cannot know anything that does not exist. In all parts of the world, we went through mission conference this week and heard of these kinds of things. But when it comes to our worship this morning, when it comes to our singing, when it comes to our Bible reading this morning, understand that everything that we do as children of God, and we offer up to a risen Lord, a risen Savior that does care, that does hear, that does make a difference. He is risen the announcement that the angels gave that woman who came to the tomb is that Jesus has risen. He is not here. The message Jesus gave those disciples, as we read in just a few moments ago, that he is alive. They saw him on those two disciples on the road to Emmaus. I love that passage of Scripture, and possibly we'll get to it. The issue is that when they came to the end of the day and Jesus turned in with them to spend the evening, their eyes and their hearts would open. And the Bible says that not our hearts burn within us as he spoke of himself. He preached about himself from the Old Testament forward. Amazing. Vance Havner, that old preacher, said this. He told of an elderly woman who was troubled about everything and always worrying about everything. And finally, someone in the family, they'd done everything they knew to do to help Grandma out. And they finally said, Grandma, we've done all we can do to help you. And all you can simply do now, and we've done everything we know to do, all we can tell you to do from this point forward is simply trust God. Sweet little old lady turned with a look upon her face, her eyes big. She says, oh, has it come to that? Having her goes on to say, it always comes to that. So why don't we just start with that? Why don't we just start there? 
Instead of wringing our hands and worrying about tomorrow and worrying about what if and all the, we pull tomorrow's clouds over today's sunshine. Instead of doing all those things, why don't we just start with trusting God because he says we can trust him. We can believe in him. The message to the apostles and to Thomas was that he is risen. The message that Jesus had for Mary on this occasion was that he is risen. The message that God gives to us this morning is that he is risen. 1 Corinthians 15, I love that resurrection chapter. And now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that sleep. Why is the resurrection a source of joy? Well, there are many things that could be said here. Why is the resurrection a source of joy? Well, first of all, it proves that Jesus Christ, His death, His burial, and His resurrection was acceptable to the Father. He saw the travail of his soul and was satisfied. Listen, if God the Father is satisfied when our sins are put under the blood of His Son, then why shouldn't we be satisfied? And so many people are running around the world trying to do good works and work up some type of religion to save themselves or overcome their own sins. But if they're forgiven, they're cast into the deepest sea. Didn't we sing a song like that something this morning? Cast. Lord puts up a no fishing sign. No double jeopardy with Jesus. Forgiven. If God's forgiven our sins, listen, don't let the devil drag you back into the guilt. If it's under the blood and it's forgiven, go on with Christ. Live on with Christ. Today's a new day. With Christ, there's new life. He's risen. It's the promise and it proves that His sacrifices was enough. His sacrifice for us was enough. The resurrection promises, not only does it prove, but it promises life after death. Praise God for that. We celebrated yesterday, had a memorial service for Ray Stashevsky. The Bible says for the Christian, we do not sorrow as those who have no hope. You know what our hope is? Our hope is not something I'm waiting, I hope happens. But it's a, it's a, it's a settled promise from the Word of God. And we celebrated yesterday. We could celebrate because we know where Ray is. We know where every child of God is. It's trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And this is not the end. We have another day. We have a reunion day that awaits. We look forward to that. So therefore we can rejoice. Jesus said in her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? The day death died. That's what this day is. The day that death died. And it no longer has dominion over the child of God. The resurrection proves That his sacrifice was accepted and enough. The resurrection promises eternal life. The resurrection shows that Jesus is alive and able to meet our needs and able to intercede on our behalf. It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who maketh intercession for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Don't leave that off. That's praying in the authority of Jesus Christ. That's praying in the sacrifice of what Christ has done for us based upon the authority of the Word, the written Word, the living Word. We can pray and have someone meet our needs and 
praying for us even. As a Christian, our message this morning is we go out into the world. A message this morning and the message of our mission conference is that we serve a risen Lord. Not only do we have the resurrection, He's alive, but because of these truths, because of what took place this morning, we have the privilege to be redeemed. Now, I'm speaking predominantly to, or really only to Christians this morning. If you're not born again, you need to be. You're not redeemed as of yet, but you can be. For the child of God, you're redeemed. Without Christ, there's plenty of reason to weep. When you're born, you're born into captivity. Sinners by nature, sinners by choice. When you're born, you're born into that bondage of sin. You have that sin nature. We willfully disobey God in our lives. The Bible says in Ephesians, You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation or our lifestyle in times past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and by nature the children and the wrath, even as others. Children of wrath, even as others. That's the way we were born. But when Jesus Christ came up out of that tomb, He gives the privilege, He gives the opportunity for every man, woman, and boy and girl to be redeemed. 1 Corinthians 15, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The story is told of a little boy. He's riding down the, in the car with his daddy. And it's just he and his daddy was riding down the car. And you know how it is. These spring days in the summer, you have the windows down. And, and, and then one of those big bumblebees flies into the car with you. And the little boy was allergic to the bee sting and Deathfully, deathfully allergic to it. And the bee flies into the car and it lands on the seat right beside him. And the little boy, he, 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 just, he just freezes and his eyes get real big. And daddy just reaches over and he takes the bee and he's in the hand. He grabs the bee and he squeezes it in his hand. He shows his son, look, no, nothing to harm here. Daddy took the sting for you. Let me understand this morning that Jesus took the sting of death for us. No harm. No hurt. He took it. This matter of redemption, in order to be set free from our bondage, in order to be set free from our sins, it'll have to come through Jesus Christ. It'll have to come through His redemption. In Him paying that ransom price, His own life's blood for us. That's what Christ has done for us upon the cross. For as much as you know that you're not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, receive ye by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He didn't redeem us with gold and silver. He didn't redeem us with what we would call precious things of this world. He redeemed us with his own precious blood, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. And John saw Jesus coming out of the crowd and said, Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Much more then being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Romans 5 and 9. Dear Christian, this morning, we don't have to be in bondage. You don't have to be in bondage. 
You don't have to go on facing condemnation. And so many are under the cloud this morning. You don't have to be that way because Christ has redeemed us because Christ is alive. Fanny Crosby, blind Fanny Crosby, wrote so many wonderful hymns. But I love this one. She says, redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy, His child, and forever I am. Redeemed and so happy in Jesus. No language my rapture can tell. I know that the light of His presence with me doth continually dwell. I know that I shall see in Him in His beauty. The King in whose love Excuse me, law I delight, who lovingly guardeth my footsteps and gives me a song in the night. That's redemption. Even in the hardest of things, that's the redemption that we can have in Christ. Don't weep, for he's risen. Don't weep, for we are redeemed. Don't weep, for there's regeneration. That word regeneration is a good Bible word. I encourage you to get a hold of it and learn what it all means. Redemption, regeneration, it really all boils together. Once we've been redeemed, there's this matter of regeneration. Regenerated in Christ. Mary Magdalene, we, I noted when we read the passage in Luke chapter 8, says Mary Magdalene was healed of evil spirits and infirmities out of whom went seven devils. Somebody says, God can't save me. I don't know anybody that's in this kind of predicament. God can save anybody and God will save anybody. But there's this matter of redemption. It's not redemption, excuse me, regeneration is not the same old life. It's a new born again life. And so many people get that confused. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Born again, Titus 3, ye are saved by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. John 3, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except man be born of water and of the Spirit. He's speaking to a religious man. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. We are born into this world through birth. Every one of us had that birth. We came by mommy and daddy. We got here through mommy and daddy. We got here onto this earth. But if we're going to go to that place, we're going to go to heaven, we're going to have to go to God's kingdom, we have to go God's way, and we'll have to be born again God's way. We're born once here. We'll have to be born again to get there. That's simply what he's telling us. Are you born again this morning? Because you've been regenerated, we should not weep. We have new life in Christ Therefore, if any man be in Christ is a new creature, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. What is this regenerated life? What does it look like? It is eternal life. It is spiritual life. It's a change of affections. It's a change of purpose. It's a change of direction. The issue today, and I feel in many So many modern religions of today and so much of what we hear being preached and propagated in the world is that so many have played down, have dumbed down this matter of of a changed life. 
that if, if it doesn't matter if you've had a changed life, it doesn't matter, you, you still can be saved. But new birth is exactly that. New birth. New life is exactly that. And you can't do away with it. We can claim it. We can claim a salvation. But if our life has never exhibited some sort of change in our lives, a desire for the things of God, a hunger for the Word of God, a love for the people of God, then there is problems. I love the way Webster Describes the word regeneration. He says, it's new birth by the grace of God that changes. The change by which the will and natural enmity of man to God, it changes that. And his law or that law of enmity against God is subdued. And a principle of supreme love to God and his law and holy affections are imparted into the heart. God puts that there. God puts a hunger and a desire to live for the Lord. There's a huge difference between religion and regeneration. A lot of people will have a religion but no regeneration. You may have problems. But a new life in Christ to help you through them. Doesn't mean they're all gone. You'll have a devil as an enemy. Satan is an enemy. But a new life in Christ will help you have victory over those things. There are many times when the disappointments and the tears may come. But new life in Christ, that regenerated life, enables us to continue on through those things. And to have victory even in the midst of them. Now we have the ability to handle our difficulties through Jesus Christ. If for by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one. Shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Are we reigning today because Jesus Christ lives in our heart? Because he's risen? Because we have that regenerated heart that God has given us something to live for and something to strive for and something to have victory with? Someone said, I know not what I, I am not what I should be, and I'm not what I'm going to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. I've been regenerated. Listen, if you're claiming Jesus Christ, and it's the same old life as it was five years ago, ten years ago, then I encourage you this morning to examine your heart. Let the Bible examine your heart according to the Word of God. Don't weep. Don't weep, fourthly, because He's residing in us. The Bible says that God resides in us through the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verses 10 and 11. And if Christ be in you, this body, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. If you are saved this morning, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit, indwells you. He is living inside of you. And if He's living inside of you, that ought to come out of you. To a life abundant, a life of that peace and contentment in Christ, a life of telling others. It's amazing. Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And I've got to hurry, but we are not weep or to have that joy. We can have that joy because He's residing in us. 
the Holy Spirit resides in us. He empowers us to witness. He empowers us to witness. What in the world would I say? Uh, How would I do it? I won't know how to give somebody the gospel. Listen, just be obedient to the word of God. Just be obedient and he'll enable you to say what needs to be said. The Holy Spirit teaches us. What the Bible says, he teaches us the word of God. So many translations out there today, so many different new translations they claim new, but I still like this old one. People say, I can't understand my Bible. The Holy Spirit will teach you your Bible. The Holy Spirit will teach you what this Bible says. You don't need a new updated translation. Just simply just begin reading and begin obeying what you understand and God will help you understand what you don't understand. And God will enlighten you. The Holy Spirit that lives within you will help you know. John 14 and 6. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. He's your teacher. He indwells and lives within you. The Holy Spirit produces fruit within you. How in the world could I love so and so? They're not very lovable. You know how we can do it? Because Jesus lives within us. He enables the fruit of the Spirit. Love, peace, joy. All of these things, it's the enabling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us to pray. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Then He searches the hearts and knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because He maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You don't know what to pray about sometimes, just tell the Lord about it, and He does a good job of communicating it. He can take it. When you don't have words... To apply to the task. Just simply give it to God. Trust God in it. He makes intercession for us. We had another reason. We look at this place and he's don't weep. And all this really comes back to the fact that Jesus is risen. Is the fact that he's coming again. Listen folks, we got something to live for. We have something to live for. He will return. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you into myself. That where I am, there you may be also. He might come and receive you. He might come and get us by way of death. For the Christian, death should not be the scariest thing on planet earth. And so many people, so many times our prayer requests, and I don't want to take this wrong. But so many times we are praying so hard to keep people on planet earth, Christians. When sometimes it's simply okay to, Lord, we commit them into your spirit, into your hands. Lord, you take them. Lord, you can do better. You can do a whole lot better than those doctors can do. Now, we're not praying for a death wish. You understand that. But so many times, so much of our praying is to keep somebody here. And I'm not saying that's all wrong. Please don't take me wrong here. But I am simply saying, for the Christian, we have something to look forward to. Amen. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more disappointment, no more discouragement. Jesus is coming again. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, 
But we shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and dead in Christ shall be raised first, shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. They are going to go up at the rapture. They are going to go up first. Those who are in the graves, they're going to be caught up to meet the Lord, and we get to come with them. That could take place today. It may come by way of death. It may come by way of the rapture. Why weepest thou? He's risen. Why weepest thou? We're redeemed. We're regenerated. He resides in us. He will return. As a Christian, our lives are temporary in this world. We're just passing through. But lastly, notice this one. Don't weep because he reigns. Jesus sits upon his throne. He reigns. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and of death. I, I just, forgive me, I just like to picture that with Jesus holding the keys. I've got them, and I'll never give them back. He says, I hold the keys. He's conquered that. He reigns, even that death could not hold him. Revelation Tells us that he lives forevermore. Jesus is God and he's still upon his throne. And he shall forever be God. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. The first and the last. No matter what's going on in your life. I want us to be reminded that he sits upon his throne. No matter how bad this world gets. Jesus still reigns. He reigns today and forevermore. Nothing that you face in life, I want you to be reminded, no matter what you're going through in life, Jesus is still upon his throne. He knows you. He knows your name. He knows where you're at. He knows exactly the situation that you're facing today, what you'll face tomorrow, and he's got the means for today and the answers for tomorrow. He's the Savior of the world, and he forever will be. Our God reigns. Don't weep. Believe it. Our God reigns, don't weep, rest in that. Our God reigns, don't weep, rejoice in that. Our God reigns, don't fret it. You can simply relax in it. That's what faith does. Faith simply waits and trusts God. And I'm so glad that we have this message of redemption, this message of regeneration, the fact that Jesus reigns and the fact that he's coming again one day. And for every born again believer, I can say this morning with a loud proclamation, don't weep, Jesus is coming again. Jesus is alive today. But for those here today or those who may be watching my live stream, you're not saved. You have every reason. You have every reason to be concerned. You have a reason in life. When things of life to come and life starts to hem you in. And the walls seem to get so small. And the, there's a thing called life that we find ourselves in. You have every reason to be concerned. Why? Because you're without Jesus. It's appointed and a man wants to die. And after that, the judgment. But you know what? Jesus took that judgment for us. And you don't have to. When I have to fret our hands, the world's wondering what's going to take place. It's amazing to me to watch all the talking heads out there and listen to them talking about what's going to happen with the, the war, what's going to happen with the finances, what's going to happen in Wall Street, what's going to happen in Washington, D.C., what if the president does this, what if he runs that way, what if all these things happen? Listen, for the child of God, we're looking for the upper taker. Jesus is coming. But if you don't know him, 
Can I beg you this morning to trust Him as your personal Lord and Savior? Christian, stop weeping. Unsaved person, get to know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's not here for He's risen. He can live in your heart as well. Let's bow our hearts in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for the morning. We thank You for what You've done for us upon Calvary's cross. And Lord, we thank You that You did not stay in that tomb that you came out. And because you live today, we can have joy. We can have peace. We can have tip contentment. Even when the sorrows are there. Even when the hardships come. Lord, you are our victory. And we claim it in Christ today. Someone needs to do that today. Someone needs to claim it and take hold of it. And live it. Set aside those burdens. Tell those burdens. Give those burdens to the Lord. Lord, allow you to run with them, not give them and pick them right back up and carry them with us, but to give them to you. Lord, someone here today needs to be saved. First time, Lord, get out of that fretting, that fearfulness, not giving us a spirit of fear. Lord, move from that to a spirit of faith, trusting in Jesus Christ and the Word of God. For someone here that needs to be saved, may today be the day of salvation. Again, as we prayed earlier, equip the saints, save lost people for all that's done. We'll praise your holy name. Amen.